It's our privilege to present this message from the teaching ministry of Reverend George DeYoung as part of the Fruit from Under the Fig Tree. George DeYoung is the founder of Under the Fig Tree Ministries, an organization dedicated to helping people understand the power of God's Word in its Jewish context to equip them to impact their culture. George helps us understand the message of Christ by experiencing the world of the Bible. We pray you're challenged and encouraged by the Word of God as George brings us this teaching from the text. Now, let's see with our eyes, hear with our ears, and set our hearts on what God desires as we join George recorded live on location. Live life loving. And, um, and so we're going to begin where I think you need to begin, we're going to be thinking about not so much living life, but loving. And I, I, wanted, I think we both agreed we got to begin with loving God. Now that's kind of where it begins. That's the whole thing is, is loving God. And, and when, when you think about loving God, we got to study, we got to revisit the Shema, that beautiful passage of Scripture, which is quite dear to us, and, and we just bless God uh, for that passage of scripture, which is, which is really strong. And I'm hoping after the message today will even be stronger for you. Now, what I'd like to do is I'm gonna ask you to stand and, and, and um, in just a moment as I say those opening words of John's gospel. And then I'm gonna recite the Shema in Hebrew and I'll get you to say it with me a second time. And then we'll say it together in English. Now. I kind of know the Shema, so I'll kind of say it with a kind of boldness in the Hebrew, um, which I'm not expecting you necessarily to have that kind of boldness because you may not be that familiar with the Hebrew. Um, but I, I do expect it when we hit the English because I think most of us here have a great command of the English. So would you, uh, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God at the beginning. Through Him all things have been made, and apart from Him nothing's been made that's been made. In him is life, and that life is the light of the world, and the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not overcome it. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the one and only, full of grace and truth, sent from the Father. Hear these, for these are the very words of God. Shema Israel, Adonai Aleheinu, Adonai Echad, Ve'ahavta et Adonai Eloecha, Bechol lavavcha, Uvechol nafshecha, Uvechol Meodecha, together in Hebrew. Shema Israel, Adonai Aleheinu, Adonai Echad, Ve'ahavta et Adonai Eloecha, Bechol Lavavcha, Uvechol Nafshecha, Uvechol Meodecha, Amen. And now together in English, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. The very words of God. Some of this will be a little bit of review for you if you've walked with us for a number of years. Um, but I think it's a good review, and I think it's a great place to start. So we'll start with the Shema, and we'll start with the very first word, the word to hear, which in Hebrew means Shema. And, and when you hear, the rabbis talk about different levels of hearing. There's uh, really four levels of hearing. There's only one level of hearing that God is pleased with or that he seeks. But to get to his level, you got to go through the other three. 
So the first level of hearing is, do I hear what you say? If you know our family, you know my little Toby. And Toby was born special. Well, every baby is born special. Uh, but part of his specialness is that Toby was born without any ears. Um, got a little, little bit of skin on each side, I guess. But, not, but, but there, his outer ear is closed. There's no, he has no outer ear. And I think his middle ear is kind of closed up too. He has a wonderfully functioning inner ear. Um, so Toby, in order to hear, he has to have bone amplifying hearing apparatus. I think I got it right. Bajas. We just call them Bajas. And you'll see Toby. He's got a little band and a, a Baja here and a Baja there. And he can hear remarkably well. But without the Baja, he doesn't hear you so well. The first level of Shema is do you hear? Do you hear? Do you hear what I say? So do, do, can you hear me? The, second, the next level of Shema is, is I, I understand what you say. And now, if you've been here before, you may remember me saying, well, But what I said, I spoke to you a language that some of you know and some of you don't know. Some of you understand and some of you don't understand. I spoke to you in the language that my parents always spoke in when we were at home, Frisian, which is a, 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 one of the Dutch in the family of the Dutch languages. So, um, and so do, you, do, you, do you hear what I'm saying? Do you understand what I'm saying? So I, for the rest of the service, I'll just use English so you all can understand it. Um, and do you understand what I'm saying? And then, then with this understanding, I'm inspired. Because to understand, I'm, I, 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 it moves me. Okay? To understand something is not just do you understand what I said, because I just spoke, I'm speaking English to you, and maybe so far you're not that moved. You're saying, well, this is review. But, but, but to understand and, and to be moved is, is to meditate on God's word. And in the, in the Hebrew word, so for, for us, when we meditate, what we like to do is empty our minds, right? We like to empty our minds. That's not biblical. The biblical picture is to fill your mind with God. Psalm, Psalm 1. Um, uh, uh, bl blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or in, in stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on it he meditates day and night. His meditation is filling himself with God's word. But this word, this word for meditate is the word hagah, and the word hagah means to chew on. And, and to chew on it and, and to work it and work it and chew on it so that you get all of the nourishment possible out of this. Does it change me? Does it change me? There may be, there may be things in this message time that the Holy Spirit is going to move in you and, and you feel, may feel moved. You may walk out of here and say, wow, okay? But, but does it change you? And it's that changing. It's when God's words affect my works. It's when when God's word changes me, and I obey. And when I obey, I'm, I'm changed, I mature. And then I, 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 because it changes me, it affects those around me. You see, when things change, they don't stay the same. Seriously. A lot of folks want change. We get older, and we have all these changes, but things don't stay the same. And that's what God wants. He wants that changing. He wants us to grow. He wants us to mature. He said, so 
So what the first thing I want you to do, understand with hearing, is that hearing is understanding. Uh, hearing is to be able to appropriate the sound. It's to understand it. It's to be moved by it. And it's to change. Hear, O Israel. Now, now I want to spend some time on this one. Because I want to share some thoughts that, especially in the time that we've just come through, hear, O Israel. The Shema, first and foremost, is not for the world. It's not for the world. It's for God's people. It's for us. For those of us who, who feel God's claim on our life, and we embrace that claim, and we say he is the king of the universe, he's sovereign over all. Hear, O Israel. Now, it's interesting, too, that it's hear, O Israel. It is not hear, O Hebrews. Because they were known as the Hebrews. But it's not hear, O Hebrews. It's hear, O Israel. Now, Israel is an interesting word because, because it's a name that was given to Jacob, who's the son of Isaac, who was the son of Abraham. This ties into the patriarchs. Now, Jacob, Jacob was an interesting fellow. And the name Jacob means literally grabber of the heel, heel grabber. The rabbis look at that and they say, well, a heel grabber is someone who always tries to be like someone else. Tries to, and, and that's really been the history of God's people, right? Right? When they came into the land, they wanted to be like the Canaanites. They didn't want the Canaanites to be like them. They wanted to be like them. And, and, and quite, quite frankly, if, when, I, when I look at my younger years, I, I wanted to be Starsky and Hutch. Uh, I wanted to be Matt Dillon. I wanted to, I wanted to be like other people. And, 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 and God changes his name. Because to be a heel grabber, to, to want to be like everybody else, um, uh, God says, no, no, no. I want you to become... Israel, you're Israel. And you remember the story, Jacob, is, is, he's by himself and by the Jabbok River and, and uh, his family and all of his possessions are on the other side and he's, he's in the woods alone and he meets this guy in the woods and he encounters this guy and he does what a lot of you do. I know when you go for walks, uh, you know, you see somebody you say, let's wrestle. <laughs> let's wrestle. What is that, eh? What is that? But that's what happens. They wrestle. And, and then at the end of the wrestling match, um, the guy wants Jacob to let him go, and the guy, unless he blesses him, and he blesses him with a new name. And here's the story. Your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God. And this is the point I want to emphasize, that if you're not struggling with God on some point, I'm not sure your relationship with God is as healthy as it should be. You need to be struggling with God. Okay? You need to be struggling with God. You can struggle with God on all kinds of things. But that, that's just because his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. That means I don't always agree with God. I don't always get it. Okay? Sometimes God says, well, George, then you have to have faith. You've got to trust me. Well, I struggle with that too. But God, help my unbelief. Okay? Your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God, and I realize, and I want to correct that this morning, that I haven't emphasized and struggled with men and have overcome. See, that's our name. When God named his people, he didn't name us the Shalomites, the peace people. He didn't name us the Ahavites, the love people. He named us Israelites. That means we struggle with God and we struggle with each other. Hmm. Have you had any struggles with people lately? And when you struggle with, you get stronger when you struggle against, it does. 
You'll find that in your marriage. Find that with your friends. You'll struggle with them. And, and at the end of the thing, you find yourself being closer friends, but your marriage being better. See, this is, this is key. Israel means struggles with, not against. Struggles with. Yeah, I got to tell you, um, uh, y'all know, I, I don't think I have to tell you this. I'm telling you something y'all know and y'all feel. Because we live in a, in a highly individualistic society, don't we? we? We have it my way. We have drive throughs We have dropped off at the door. We, we, ha- we can Instagram. We can so much. Um, so much is oriented. So, uh, um, algorithms and all these kinds of things. I, 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 was, I was looking for a pair of shoes, and then I was reading an article, and all of a sudden different pairs of shoes come up on my screen beside me. It's all about me. Anyhow, hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord alone, or the Lord is one. You know, Moses, um, as you look at the text, um, you'll see capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, even in the book of Genesis. But that's where the narrator is telling you the story. The place that God gives his name is on Sinai to Moses. Because Moses asks, who is it, who is it? If they ask me, what is your name, what should I tell them? And God says, I am what I am, I was what I was, I will be what I will be. By what I do, you will know me, I am. Now, see, Moses just came out of Egypt. And the children of Israel had been living in Egypt for 400, over 400 years. This country isn't even... 300 years old. So, so I mean, they've been there. And, and, and they, the Egyptians had so many gods. Greeks had a lot of gods. Romans had a lot of gods. But the Egyptians had way more gods. And that's not surprising, you see. They didn't have, they, 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 they're, they're not Israel. They're the Egyptians, right? And so where did they get all these gods from? Well, I'll tell you where they got them from. They're looking at the nature. They're looking at the world. And they saw God everywhere, because that's what Paul says in Romans 1, right? There's enough in all of nature to hold you accountable, so they're seeing God everywhere. The problem is they made everything God. They made everything God. And I get that. I get that. I, I understand that. Um, they, they made every, everything God. So they had fly gods. They had ant gods. They had bee gods. They had cat gods. They had sun gods. They had water gods. They had rock gods. They had all kinds of gods. Um, and, 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 and in that context, God says to to Moses, I am God alone. You see, what happens with, these, with, the, with the Egyptians, with other people, is that they saw God everywhere and they made everything into God because they didn't understand that they were image bearers, they weren't to be image makers. Now make no mistake, that inclination is still in us because we like to make God in an image. We like to make God Republican. We like to make God Democrat. We like to make God whatever. We like to make God agree with us rather than making us agree with God. And the context in which that happens, where iron sharpens iron, is in this context. See, it's here that, that in God's word, amongst God's people. But see, see we, we would like to make things in our, can I ask you a question? I've been thinking about this, and this is kind of dangerous. 
um, can I ask you, how would you categorize yourself? Would you describe yourself as an American Christian or a Christian in America? Is there a difference? Well, in my opinion, there is. An American Christian will kind of make kind of God the God of America. American Christians will see whoever is in the White House as a threat to your faith. Christian Americans always ask, what does faithfulness look like? Because you see, God is sovereign over all when Nero was on the throne. God was sovereign over all uh, when the Inquisition was going on. God was sovereign over all in 9-11. God is sovereign over all even when there's COVID. God is, so listen, you, you pray for those in authority for us, yes, but our leader is Christ. Congregation, I don't think we're American Christians. We're Christians in America. We cherish this country. We love this country. Absolutely. But our first love, if there's word order, as far as it depends on me and my house, it is Christian American, Christian Canadian, Christian Mexican, Christian. What does faithfulness look like? See, Moses is on Sinai. Moses is on Sinai. And, and he says, who shall I say sent me? At Asher, at the Lord, your God. And he's Lord alone. He's Lord one. The one who created the universe. The one who made us in his image. The one who covenanted with Abraham. The one who was, who, 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 who spared Isaac on a mountain from the knife. The one who worked through Joseph. Even though his brothers wanted to kill him and sell him. The one the one who summoned Moses, the one who sent us the prophets. See, the Lord is our God, which means you and I, you and I stand on the shoulders of those who've come before. We stand and we give shoulders for those who come after. And we stand together now as God gives us breath as a church family. And each one of us bears the image of God. I, I've shared this with you before, and I'll share it with you again because it's so helpful to me. When you look at people, don't look at them at the labels the world gives them. Don't, don't look at them as, as Muslim or Buddhist or Republican or Democrat or whatever. Look at everybody as an image bearer made in the image of God. And that, that changes things for me because the media wants to polarize. The Democrats demonize the Republicans. The Republicans demonize the Democrats. And God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, because what do I do to get my image bearers back? Hmm. Love the Lord your God. Hmm. Now, the Lord, that's capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. I think if there's one thing after I'm gone, people say, yeah, I remember Dion. Capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. The covenantal name of God. You can call me George. You can call me Pastor. Call me Reverend. But you can't call me Dad. Because you and I don't have that relationship. Hannah and Gwyn, Mark and Brad, Toby and Reese. But 
not you and me. Capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D is the covenantal name of God. It is the name from which God's compassion flows. It's the name from which God's love flows. Now, you, <coughs> of all the things that we're talking about this morning, you need, you need to write, the, if you're writing, you need to get this. Hold on to this, okay? Because it's out of this covenantal name that, that <coughs> all, all this love um, is sourced is shaped, and the goal is love. The whole Shema, the purpose of the Shema, the Shema is all about love. It's all about love. So Moses is standing there before the people as, as the Lord's about to take him home, and Moses says to the people, he says, has any God ever tried to take for himself one nation out of another, by testings, by miracles, by signs, by wonders, by wars, by a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, or by great and awesome deeds, like all the things the Lord your God did for you in Egypt before your very eyes. These are words to God's people, and he's recalling what the Lord has done for them. And he goes on, Moses goes on to say, and he says, it was because the Lord loved you. This is the this is the Hebrew text. This is the Old Testament where everybody thinks that God is a judge and God is angry. No, the Hebrew text is so full of the love of God. It was because the Lord loved you that he brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you. And so, so the Lord made a covenant with his people. He bound himself to us. And when God binds himself to someone, he doesn't renege on it. He doesn't let go. He, do, he doesn't turn his back. It doesn't matter what it costs him. He doesn't, he doesn't want to lose you. He loves you. If you don't understand that, then you're going to be thinking that, that this love, this love is, is some, it's a quid pro quo, that I serve God because if I don't serve him, then he's not going to love me. No, you, listen, you obey God. You shema God not to affect him. You shema God to reflect him, to show others who he is to you. What does he mean to you? John, this is, this is what John said. The Lord our God, oops, um, we love because he first loved us. That's why we love. That's what the Shema is. They get the Shema on Sinai. They get the Shema on Sinai when all the people are out. They're, 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 their backs are bending over, not because of bricks they're making, but all the gold they have to carry out. They, 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 they can hardly hear each other talk because of all the sheep and all the cows. They, they, they've been taken out. They've been provided for with manna and with water from the rock because God has loved them. He saved them. They're out. They have come out because of grace. Does that sound familiar? While I was yet a sinner, God showed his love for me. And he sent his son to die for me. I love because he first loved me. And this love that we're called to is precisely how the Lord loves us with all his heart, with all his soul, with all his strength. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. What, what, what's that, what does that mean? Well, it, in, in Luke's gospel, because 
Luke is writing to Greeks, he talks about with all your heart, with all your mind. To the Hebrew, they say, why, why, why do you say that? It's, it's, the both are the same. The heart was the center of your thoughts. The heart was the center of your emotions. To love God with all your heart would be, well, okay, for example, let me just use a, a verse out of Scripture, Psalm 103, where the psalmist says, Praise the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Praise his holy name. What that psalmist is saying is that everything I have, I'm loving God with all my heart. And to love your God with all your soul, the Hebrew word there is nefesh. And, and, and to love God with all your soul is to, to love him with all of your passion, with all of your delight, with all of your energy, with all of your ability. To love the Lord your God all of your life. I, I mentioned this the other week. I'm going to challenge young people again. Young people, if you love Jesus Christ, then you need to stand with the one who stood for you at the cross. You need to respond to his love for you by loving him back. You need to profess your faith. This is the place to take that stand because where you're going, off to college, off to the world, you need to know that you are rooted in a church family and you have been placed here by God. And us seasoned saints, you need to love God with all your life too. Yeah, I'm telling you, I, 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 the older I get, I'm finding that the bounces doesn't come back so quickly. I'm finding that, that I, I, I'm not as strong as I used to be, but I do find myself wiser. And we need your wisdom. We need your wisdom. We don't necessarily need you doing the things you've done before, but... But we need, you, we, need your, we need your support. We need your encouragement. We have no idea how much it means to younger ones. A hand around the shoulder. I'm praying for, I got a card today, or this week, from the men's prayer group. I opened up the card, and I was just blessed. I said, we prayed for you today. And in brackets, we pray for you all the time. But we wanted to pray for you today. Yeah, we need that. To love God with all your heart, to love God with all your soul, and to love God with all your strength. The Hebrew word here, and I don't know how to translate it for you, it's much more than strength. It's, the, it, it's really, and I know this isn't a word, but it's love God with all your muchness. With all your muchness. Um, that, 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 I mean, it, it, it means more than your possessions, more than your strength, but to love him with your muchness. Um, with your, to love him with your personality. To love him with your reputation. To, 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 to love God with your muchness and then, and then, and then uh, to love him in such a way that you make commitments. You make commitments in contexts where your love for God can be seen. There was a, there, you remember the story of this young man who came to Jesus once and he, he, had, he had a lot of muchness. And he asked Jesus, okay, what must I do to enter the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus says, well, Shema Israel, Adonai Eloheinu, Be'ahavta Reacha Kamocha. He said, I've done all that. I've done all that. I've done all that. I passed the test. Well, Jesus could see right through, and he says, you know what? I'll tell you what, sell everything you got. Come follow me. And, and the text literally says, and the man's face fell, and he went away sad because he had great muchness. He had great muchness. Hmm. With all your passion, with all your heart, with all your passion, with all your, with all your abilities, at every level of life, with all the muchness that you are, who you become, 
You know, I've been thinking about this this week, and I was reminded of this story at the end of John's Gospel. Um, you may remember it. Um, Jesus is on the shore. The disciples are fishing, and they've got to <laughs> throw your net on the other side. You know, um, And so they do it, and then tons of fish, and Peter runs out. and So they have this encounter around the fire, and the fish, and his friends, and the fire, and he's with Jesus again. And for the first time since that upper room meal, he kind of feels at home with Jesus. And Jesus looks at him and says, Peter, do you love me more than these? You know I do. I've been, I've been thinking about it this week. But I've been thinking about this muchness. And thinking if Jesus would say to me, as I look at my beautiful wife and my increasingly in health daughter and my other daughter and their families and, and, and teaching with you and learning with you, Jesus saying, George, do you love me more than these? Do you love me with your muchness? You know, when we talk about love, we think of love of falling in love. <laughs> and I understand that because I fell in love with that. I fell in love with other girls. I fell out of love with them. But when, when the Shema talks about loving God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, it's not talking about emotion. It has emotion in it. When we were singing that song, I had a tear come down. And that's why I like to stand at the front so you don't see me get all sappy up here. It has emotion, no question about it. But this love also has a kind of commitment, the kind of commitment you see in a David as he stands before Goliath. This love we're talking about, has a kind of contentment, the kind of contentment you have of a Paul in a prison. And the question is, this kind of love that we're talking about, it's not a love that just kind of happens to you. It's available to you, but, but, but to understand this love, to embrace this love, you've got to learn about this love. Where do you learn about such love? What context, what place can you learn about such love? The first and foremost place where you learn about such love is at the cross of Jesus. It's at the cross. It's at the cross. It's because he so first loved us. And the more you see of his great love, the more that love penetrates you the more you're going to be brought to the Savior. You've got to see him on that cross, bruised and battered, and he didn't deserve it. The person who put him on that cross is standing in front of you. And I love him so. And I love his bride, the church. I've had people besmirching the bride of Christ ridiculing the bride of Christ. We're an organization, yes. We're an organism, yes. We have all these things, but we are the bride of Christ. Don't besmirch the bride of Christ. I love him too much. I love him too much. And where do you learn about such love? At the cross. 
It's our desire that this teaching by George DeYoung has encouraged you to walk more closely in the dust of our Rabbi Yeshua. Please visit us on the web at www.underthefigtree.org or write to us at Under the Fig Tree, P.O. Box 1256, Holland, Michigan, 49423. Please remember George and this ministry in your prayers. Under the Fig Tree is a nonprofit organization that's solely dependent on your tax-deductible contributions. We very much appreciate your support. Now go and tell Israel. And until next time, may the shalom of the Lord guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord.